0: Welcome to a new episode of Land, Grant Holy Land's Stick to Sports podcast. My name is Matt Tamanini, and as always, I am joined by the one and only Tia Johnston. Tia, we are recording at a different time than normal today, and yet no matter when we record, (laughs) news always breaks right as we start recording.
1: Uh, yeah. What is that about?
0: (laughs) Uh, it's the world is against us, just like ESPN is against Ohio State. (laughs) As we literally were getting ready to push record, we get the news from who is this person, John Talty, who writes for uh, he's the uh, senior sports editor at alabama.com or al.com, saying, and I quote, there are COVID 19 issues at Ohio State that have led to discussions about possibly having to push back the national title game to a later date. Um, we don't often do like actual football and news stuff on this show, Tia, but when it breaks while we are recording, we kind of have to. There has been discussions already, um, even back to mid to late December, that where the College Football Playoff Committee has said that they are willing to push games back if there are COVID issues on any of the teams participating in either the playoff or the New Year's Six Bowls, they said, actually. So there is... A reason to think that there is a possibility that the the game could be pushed back. Apparently, according to um, Aaron Suttles, who um, is the Alabama beat writer for The Athletic, the SEC commissioner Greg Sankey, rhymes with Hankey, is pushing hard against a postponement. Because, of course, it's not his team that is dealing with the COVID issues. Right. So we are going to talk about the stuff that we were going to talk about. We don't normally talk about that stuff. We normally stick to things around the periphery of Ohio State athletics, as well as the things that keep us distracted and entertained in between games. But, Tia, I feel like we have to talk about this. So we have gone from Ohio State in the Big Ten not having a season to Ohio State starting off, and everyone was super confident that they're Attention to detail and strict adherence to the Big Ten's policies would keep them out of any COVID issues. That was fine for the first three weeks, and then they only had two games after that. Then we have issues with Ohio State dealing with COVID concerns in the Big Ten championship game. The Big Ten changes its 21-day rule for keeping players out so that they can compete uh, can have Chris Olave at all back for the na- for the uh, national semifinal game, and now we're dealing with more apparent positive tests, which is something we heard rumors about leading up to this announcement. That might keep a decent number of important players out of the national championship game. When is 2020 going to end, Tia? I thought we'd <laughs> flipped the calendar.
1: I mean, this might be an unpopular opinion, but this was when I was kind of just, like, unoptimistic. And before we played Clemson, I was like, okay, if we lose this game, the silver lining is that we're done with this godforsaken college football season. It has been a mess. Like, I can't keep up. And here's the thing.
0: Like, I... I think before the Clemson game, and we talked about it in our Slack channel for Linger and Holy Land, we were all like, you know what? Yes, we want them to win, but I kind of want the season to be over just as much. Maybe not as much, but close. Like, I just want it to be over because it just feels like, and I'm sure this is like, amplified to the nth degree for the players and coaches. So what we have to deal with as play, as fans is so much less than them. But it just feels like we're sitting under a guillotine and we know that it is going to drop at some point, we think, maybe, and we're just so nervous about whether or not it happens. It's hard to really appreciate what has actually happened. I think that changed quite a bit with the absolute butt kicking that Ohio State gave to Clemson uh, last Friday. But, like, it it just feels like we're in this period where we want to get excited, but we really can't because we don't know who's going to get sick and who's going to be ruled out. Then there's contact tracing, and then we have to worry about all of that stuff. It just feels like the circumstances of this year undermined and erased a lot of the excitement that we would have otherwise had for a season that led to a national championship game. Like I said, though, beating Clemson obviously negates a lot of that and I was super pumped after that game which we'll talk about eventually but now it's like okay now we're back to having to wait to see if the guillotine falls and chops off our head you're
1: right you have to sit back and think about everything that this team has gone through and what we've gone through as like covering this team the fact that we're even at this national championship with college students who were are literally like risking their health to entertain us like let's just all appreciate that and then anything else that happens is a plus. I know it's hard to be like sad about these players who test positive for COVID because you're just so bummed that like they won't be there to play football when really that is not, that's not where our mind should be. But I know as a fan, it's hard to think that way.
0: Yeah, fans appreciation of sports is by the nature of being a fan, almost completely self-centered. And I don't mean that in a bad way. It's just like, As a fan, you are thinking about the games and the sports and the the news and all of that stuff through the prism of how it affects you. And it's hard to kind of disassociate from that perspective to understand that like these people that we are cheering and in the case of college sports, these very young men that we are cheering are kids. And in this case, it's different. We're kind of conditioned to the stuff that. We have seen with, like, the injury that Justin Fields sustained in the Sugar Bowl. We're kind of used to that. We're kind of like, oh, that sucks. But we move on. We don't think about how much pain he's in. Yeah, This is something completely different with with COVID. Like, we are still, no matter what you think about this this whole pandemic and the virus, like, This is so new, like that's why they call it the novel coronavirus. It's novel, it's new. We just don't know what this means long term. It could mean nothing. It could mean something really bad long term. So it's like it's it's Mm -hmm. so weird to put that into perspective. And there's a lot of people that. Are using stuff like this, and I can already see it on Twitter as I'm trying to peek over while we're recording of like using this as a way to say, like, oh Ohio State just doing whatever it wants again, all these rule changes, Ohio State, blah blah blah. Like, oh my gosh. S- just stop. Like these are people, these are kids. Like, let's just let the situation play out. Ohio State is not making up these COVID things. I can tell you that as a fact just to, like, get Justin Fields healthy. Like, this is not a ploy. These are people's literal life and death situations here. Fortunately, because they're young and they're healthy and in good shape, very rarely does it lead to something that could be approaching death. But, like, that is a possibility. So stop trying to use some bigger, you know, make some bigger point by this and just be like, you know what? I hope these kids are okay. Let's deal with the game. As secondary to their health.
1: And it's another week for you, Alabama, to prepare for the game. Like, I don't I yeah. don't know and what get the Jalen Waddle is. back
0: potentially. Yeah,
1: exactly. So oh SEC fans I mean, I know that there are some pretty bad Ohio State and Big Ten fans, but SEC oh, fans yeah. are just on oh, yeah. another level, like we won't get into
0: that. <laughs> yeah, we pissed off enough people. Although, I'll be honest with you, we didn't get nearly as much hate for our Dabo Sweeney episode that as I thought we would.
1: We didn't.
0: Um, and I, I wrote I wrote a kind of like a companion article about how much I hated mm-hmm. Dabo and like the feedback I got from Clemson and Alabama people was uniformly positive. So I feel like
1: Yeah, like they kind of yeah, agreed with
0: you. <laughs> I was right. Yeah, I was right. Even the Clemson alum um agreed with me. So Anyway, I, you know we don't know what's going to happen. By the time you hear this, this is going to be outdated news. So we're not breaking news with this. But it's just like at some point, I think it's a legitimate question to think to ask the question: Was this season worth it? And that's going to vary depending on who is answering that question. Right. Um, and uh, that's not a question that i can answer for anybody other than what i think and my opinion means nothing <laughs> um and and i think then we say you know after the fact you know we try to figure out what impact it actually had on these individuals and unfortunately i the more that these things happen the more you have to get nervous about it but we'll see we will definitely see and whether or not there's a game on monday sh- joey bosa shrug emoji like i don't know <laughs> Who knows? Yes. Who knows? So, we don't know if there's going to be a football game next Monday, Tia, but we do know that there was one this past Friday. And in that game, the Ohio State Buckeyes beat the <laughs> Clemson Tigers by a score of 49 to 28, and it wasn't really even that close. Justin Fields had a literal near perfect game going 22 for 28 for 385 yards. He threw six touchdowns and one in, in, uh, interception, but he had six touchdowns. And six incompletions, including at least two or three of those being throwaways. Um, Of course, Trey Sermon has continued his ascension to one of the greatest flashes of Ohio State running back in history by having another 193 yards on the ground. Chris Olave had a storybook companion bookend to the Fiesta Bowl last year by going for 132 yards and two touchdowns. Tia you have witnessed a lot of Ohio State games uh, in your time as a fan as have I. I I have been witness to multiple national titles I don't know if you are old enough to actually remember the, the the trestle national title or not but this one was pretty damn satisfying like I know it wasn't a national title but like this one feels oh really gosh. good obviously <laughs> given the news we just talked about maybe it doesn't feel as good but like in the moment, this one was damn good.
1: Like, I'll be the first to say it. I was not expecting us to win. I really wasn't, let alone this like complete beatdown. And okay, I was present for the blowout, the Clemson Ohio State blowout. I'd forget what year it was, but I was there in Arizona. That was miserable. And then obviously last year, last year's game and then Dabo just being a complete idiot and all of the bulletin board material that he did the whole week leading up to this moment. And then for the Buckeyes to come out and do this, like, I I could not stop smiling.
0: Yeah, I mean, I put it in one of my articles and I, I tweeted it out before the game. Like, I knew what my head was saying, um, and that was that Ohio State would probably lose by... a uh, score or two um but i right. knew in my heart like i was hoping that they had some sort of blowout where they were able to like keep it close and maybe win in a squeaker uh, that did not happen they won because they were the team that that did the blowout that did the blowing out so to speak um <laughs> it, it was it was nothing what i expected and what was so great about it was i think that there's so many pieces of this that just work so beautifully. Um, and Gene and George talked about it in their recap podcast that's here in this very feed. But the the parallels between this year's Sugar Bowl and last year's Fiesta Bowl, where yes we dealt with um, a targeting last year um, that was far more circumspect um, or, or, or suspicious last year with Sean Wade than this one was with James Skalski um, for Clemson. But there was a major, a major defensive player getting ejected for targeting. Then we had um, some issues with like turnovers. And last year they did not go uh, in Ohio State's favor when they went under replay review. This time, both of them went Ohio State's favor. The one where Trevor Lawrence put the ball on the ground and he put his hand on top of the ball, which is not enough to. Uh, confirmed possession. Ohio State picked it up, returned it. Then there was the other one in the end zone towards the end of the game where it turned into an interception after Lathan Ransom knocked it out before the guy, he caught it, got one foot down, but because he fell down, that wasn't enough to complete the catch. Like, both of those rulings, Tia, if this was 2019, um, I would have thought would have gone Clemson's way and Ohio State got both of them. Then I talked about Chris Olave having uh, 132 yards and two touchdowns. Instead of Ohio State um, losing the game with Justin Fields' last pass being an interception, Trevor Lawrence's last pass, and not only of the game, but probably of his college career, being an interception. It was just such a dichotomous approach to what happened the previous (laughs) year. It felt storybook in nature.
1: Yeah, it was poetic. It was like a gift from the college football gods. Like, there's no other way to explain that. But going back to Chris Olave, I think, like, I am so happy we won and for a million reasons, but that is, like, the number one reason why I'm just so incredibly happy because I've read so many stories about how he felt after the game and he was crying in the locker room after last year and that broke my freaking heart. And then for him to come out and do what he did. And then did you see that? Like there's like this picture of him just gleaming, like he's smiling so big (laughs) on the sideline. And I was like, oh, I don't like that's kind of the point where I was like, I don't care what happens after this. Like, this was just so satisfying.
0: Yeah. It, it, there is just something so pure about the joy that the Buckeyes had after that game. And it wasn't just contained, uh, it wasn't just confined to Chris Olave. You also had Trey Sermon, who literally a month ago or three games ago, Ohio State fans could have spat on they didn't care about him whatsoever (laughs) they talked bad about him they said he was a bum i mean i didn't think he was any good i'm gonna be honest with you um but now he's literally on a run that not only equals but surpasses that of ezekiel elliott in 2014 and to watch him after the game well first off there was that play where he was so clearly tackled and down by his wrist, his elbow, his knee, and yeah. then he gets up and runs anyway, and then they show him on the sideline, like, looking up at the at the jumbotron or whatever and just smiling, like, yeah, whatever, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah like, he was just having a blast.
0: But, yeah, it was so much fun, and then after the game, I tweeted about it after the game, and everybody saw it who was watching the trophy presentation. He's literally on the field on his hands and knees reaching (laughs) under a guardrail to try to get some fresh untrampled on confetti. He pulls it out. And because football pants don't have pockets, he just put it down the front of his pants. So that he could sure. keep that as a keepsake, it was just so, so pure. joyous and so pure. <laughs> and then, as Chris Fowler said, we have the silver-haired uh, senior citizen lying on the <laughs> yeah. field doing snow angels in uh, in in the confetti, and that is Kerry Combs, who also, like Trey Sermon, has been much maligned this season, being maybe potentially being in over his head, not being ready to be a, a defensive coordinator, and he called one of the best defensive games in yeah. recent ohio state uh, memory or, you know that might be exaggerating a little bit but for this team it sure exceeded my expectations um and just everybody and again of course, last year, Clemson did the Snow Angels uh, in the confetti last year, too. And I don't I'm not mad about that. Like, of course, do that. Celebrate. But it was just, again, that mere image from last year to this season. It was just so uh, such a joy and such a relief. And I felt so good for all of those guys.
1: Yeah. And I'm happy that we ended up playing Clemson this year with those same guys, because if we had beat Clemson like even next year, but Olave's gone and Justin Fields is gone. And it was just so much better because those guys finally got to get their revenge. And can we please just talk about, I just want to talk about Sermon Because I was so worried that his breakout game against Northwestern was because Northwestern wasn't, prepared for it. So I was like, oh no, Well, Clemson now knows what he can do. And like, they still couldn't stop the guy. And so now I just keep thinking, like, what if we had played those other three games? Like, where would he be at? Even though I don't even know if like, there's an up from here, like... (laughs) But I am I am genuinely just so excited to watch him one more time.
0: Yeah, and and that's kind of like the argument, the counter argument to Dabo's like, well, they only played six games, so they're really fresh. Fair.
1: I hate that take. Well,
0: also because since Ohio State started its season on October 24th, whatever it was 24th I think they've both teams played six games and they both had three open dates so yes they played before that date but since the end of October they both played the same amount of games Clemson had played one game in a month so like don't tell me they weren't fresh but the converse for that and what I'd argued in both podcast form and on on the website is that like it hurts Ohio State just as much as it helps them because they didn't have yeah. the chance to develop. We have now seen Trey Sermon turn into literally one of the best running backs in the country. And I'm not saying he is one of the best running backs in the country, but in this two-game sample size, it's pretty tough to find somebody who's better than him. So sure. so could that have happened in game six of the regular season if they had played a full season? I don't know. Maybe. Um, We don't know. Justin Fields went from being all over the place for the last three games of the regular season and the Big Big Ten championship game to having one of the greatest games in Ohio State football history. Could that have happened in game seven of a regular season? And then maybe he could have coasted in and continued to do that and won a Heisman Trophy. I don't know. But like it. It is just as likely that it hurt the Buckeyes, that it helped them. And then that's what was so just absolutely beautiful about uh, uh, about Dumbo after the game being asked if he regrets (laughs) ranking Ohio State 11th. And he said, no, rankings aren't motivation. Um, And then then we saw not only did every Ohio State (laughs) player and alumnus tweet out of every one of them. tweet out about the fact that oh they ranked uh, number 12 now since we were number 11 but multiple <laughs> players had a whiteboard that said ranked 11 on the sideline during the game yeah. of course it mattered did it make a difference in the game I don't know but like it's something that they thought about and it's just the same thing you always see from Saban and Belichick use whatever little slight you can to get some sort of mental advantage was it a huge one there's no way to quantify that but it's certainly yeah impacted these players in this team and the fans and alumni as well.
1: I mean, and they were already like seeking revenge. They were already motivated. But for him to come out and rank them number 11 on top of that, and especially from what we saw after the game when they were tweeting about it and had the whiteboard, like of that totally sent them over the edge. Like I've, I genuinely think that, you know, like I don't know if you watched the Michael Jordan documentary, but he said before every single game, he would like make up a situation in his mind for why he needed to beat this team. Like he created a motive before every game. And I feel like number 11 is pretty much motive. So I feel like Dabo now, I mean, he said whatever he said in the press conference, but he knows damn well what he did.
0: Yeah. And he knows that it had an impact and he knows that in whatever degree um, it impacted whether or not his team won. And I don't think that that necessarily completely decided the game. I think the fact that Ryan Day and Kevin Wilson had a phenomenal offensive game plan, which was apparently helped by one Jeff Halfley, who gave them some insight on how to avoid the uh, sign stealing from Brett Venables. Um, and then, and then mm-hmm. Greg Madison and Kerry Combs on the defensive side, did an absolutely uh, brilliant job of of figuring out ways to cover the issues on the defense side of the ball. Like, that's the most important thing. Uh, That and the fact that the players played their asses off. Uh, That's the most important thing, actually. Um, But I think, you know, you can't say that that little extra motivation from Dabo didn't help in some way. And it just makes me happy that Dabo's sad. Like, I am all (laughs) about Dabo being sad. I can't help but feel
1: like he went into that game thinking he, like they were going to walk all over us like even though he was saying that playing six games is an advantage for Ohio State like I genuinely think he thought he was going to like their play calling was awful I feel totally. like they weren't as hyped up as Ohio State I just I don't think he was expecting that no one was expecting it
0: <laughs> No I mean unless you work or practice at the Woody Hayes like I can't right. imagine there's a ton of people that expected that and you know what that's why being a sports blogger or sports writer or a sports fan um is very humbling because none of us know what the hell we're talking about like we really don't (laughs) like it's all guesses anyway i mean what does it matter but that's the thing so it's uh it was a glorious historic game one that i don't think ohio state fans will forget anytime soon and uh, one that hopefully will propel them to a national championship game if and when a national championship game is actually ever played. All right, Tia, before we get into our recommendations, there have been updated uh, tweets as we have been going along. This one comes from, let me see who the hell this guy is. Um, Chris Bryce from a local TV station uh, uh, in Birmingham, Alabama. He says, following up on the Ohio State COVID issue, I'm told Alabama and the SEC are pushing hard to play the game. Ohio State is too. Here's the kicker. But the Big Ten office is pushing to postpone because... Of course.
1: Because of course.
0: Like, again, (laughs) I am not one that actually faulted the Big Ten for trying to do things safely. I fault the Big Ten for how they handled it and how they communicated it. But, like, I don't have a problem with the Big Ten trying to keep everybody safe. That's literally their job. But it's just, at this point, it's a parody of itself. Because, like, Ohio State, the SEC, and Alabama all want to play, and the Big Ten is the one saying... No, I think we should wait a minute and see if everybody's okay. Like, that is just complete and utter uh, poetry, like you said earlier.
1: Like, have you learned nothing?
0: (laughs) I I mean, look, here's the thing. Like, I'll be honest with you. I would prefer the game, you know, be postponed. Uh, but yeah, that's completely for too. selfish reasons because I want all of Ohio State's players to be healthy and I want Justin Fields' you know, ribs to be at least semi-intact. So from a selfish <laughs> perspective, I tweeted out from Land Grant, right, as we were getting ready to record, like, hell, play it on the Saturday before the Super Bowl. Uh, I think that would be great. Um, yeah. it, but I don't think that's going to happen. And And I understand why Ohio State is fighting to play the game now. Like, they want to get this season going they want to do it like normal and they want to get it over with just like all of us do too so um i'm fine whatever play don't play as long as it's not a thing where like playing puts people in further danger than they already are whatever the powers that be decide i'm fine with but you know i, I wouldn't be mad if we give everybody a chance to get healthy
1: no. either. i mean and it's so weird that like they made the postponement date the 18th because that yeah, still that, doesn't adjust to the Big Ten's rules.
0: Right. So I, I mentioned at the beginning of uh, of this that the College Football Playoff Committee had put together some p- potential dates f- for when they could play games if things were canceled. I, I, I don't want to say for sure that I know that it was the 18th. I, that date sticks in my head. Yeah, no, I was right. According to Heather Denich, Um, From ESPN, the the makeup date for the college football playoff final was the the 18th of January. But I don't know if that was necessarily if they had to first postpone the playoff, like the semifinals. And then that's when a new championship game would be. You know what I mean? Like, I think that that came out on the 30th. So that might have had more to do with like, hey, if one of the semifinals gets canceled, the championship game will be pushed back. Yeah, they might push this back to. I don't know cuz even if the, the you know if it was the 18th that the the positive test would have had to have happened on the day of the semifinal and that clearly didn't happen so I I would imagine that if they do they would take into account the Big 10 17-day rule yeah. and just put it whenever that's up because as we saw with Chris Olave like players can practice before that it's just whether they can get back on the field or not um, in that time period. So I don't know who the hell knows. Like, and that's the thing is like, nobody, nobody tells you the truth. Like Ohio state is sending, like, Gene Smith is sending out text messages to beat reporters saying like, we are trying to play. Uh, <laughs> we're doing everything we can. We're following protocol. Our goal is to play on the 11th. Great. But they're not going to tell us if they're not, you know, like they're not going to tell us who's tested positive. We kind of have heard rumors, um, but they're not going to tell us. So like, We don't know. Nobody knows anything, which is like kind of par for the course for this whole season.
1: That's why I am glad like like our our website is not taken as seriously as the other ones, which is why we can literally come out and say, like, we don't know what we're
0: talking about. Well, that's like (laughs) we
1: write what we think.
0: (laughs) Well, and that's like after we're going off the reservation here a little bit. But I tweeted something. Um, in the weeks before the in the week before the Big Ten championship game, about something Rick Neuheisel had said on uh, his radio show on Sirius XM, I said this is not confirmed. But Rick Neuheisel yeah. said there's a major offensive player for Ohio State who um, has tested positive, positive. and I said this is not confirmed. And someone's like, "Well, if it's not confirmed, why are you saying it?" I'm like, "Do you know who we are? Like, we're not. We're a blog. <laughs> Our job is to like." Collect and then comment on people who actually do reporting and know what they're talking about. I am, I can confirm that Rick Neuheisel (laughs) said this. I can't confirm whether or not it's true. Of course, it ended up being true. I knew it was going to be true. Rick Neuheisel's not going to say that if it's not true. So, you know, it's just like we're land grant holy land. Like we're not, (laughs) we're not journalists. We're bloggers. We don't, we don't know anything. And also,
1: It's like college football. Like, calm down, people.
0: (laughs) You know? Yeah, it's just just so, so much. But all right, Tia, let's get into our recommendations. I'm going to have you go first because I have nothing prepared and don't know what I'm going to recommend yet.
1: I am in the same boat, but um, I'm just going to go off a podcast that I was listening to in the shower. Okay, good. (laughs) Um, Okay, well, first of all. I'm sorry that this is sort of like in direct competition with your full time job podcast, which by the way, we have recommended before and is great. So if you like that genre, um, my favorite murder is one of my favorite podcasts and it's different in that most of their shows are people writing in their own like creepy, Stories like girls will talk about how, like, they came downstairs to a man sleeping on their couch or like ghost stories. Like, they're all first accounts. And these two girls will read what people write in and kind of make fun of it and laugh and be like, you know, commenting on how the girl reacted to said situation. And it's really funny. Again, it's very similar to yours, but a little bit different. So if you like, you know, the crime podcast, Genre, that's a good one.
0: Yeah, My Favorite Murder really opened up the the kind of conversational, somewhat comedic uh, area of true crime that we now live in over at, um, uh, at True Crime Obsessed. So I think that is uh, a great recommendation. So I am going to recommend um, something that actually premieres tonight that we are recording, Tuesday the 5th. Um, it is a the second season of NBC's musical TV show Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist over on Broadway Radio on our Patreon. Um, I did a recap uh show of the entire season. Last year with um, my occasional co-host Jennifer McHugh, we broke down all of the episodes. So if you want to hear my thoughts on season one, which were very conflicted, um, you can head over to, to patreon.com slash um But in this show, it stars Jane Levy, who you might have seen in things like um, she was on Shameless and Suburgatory, um, and uh the evil dead and all those kind of things, but she basically has this weird medical mishap to where she can hear other people's thoughts via song, like they sing to her, but not really. It's just like her hearing their inner thoughts and like their musical numbers. So it stars her Skylar Aston from the pitch perfect movies and, and the original uh, spring awakening cast on Broadway, Alex Newell, Lauren Graham, Mary Steenburgen, and others. Peter Gallagher was in the first season, but spoiler alert, he died at the end of the first season. So don't know if he'll be back, but it's a really interesting show. I'm I I had mixed feelings on it um, in season one, but I'm optimistic for a season two. Uh, because I thought it was really creative and really, uh, really interesting, and it had some great musical numbers. Um, and generally, they sing pop songs, so it's not like it's a musical theater thing. But it, it was a uh, an interesting show and something that I always enjoy. People taking risks like this on network TV. So recommend Zoe's Extraordinary playlist. Season two premiering on NBC before you actually hear this episode. So, but you can check out season one on Hulu. And again. Uh, broadwayradio.com slash Patreon, patreon.com slash broadwayradio if you want to hear my thoughts on season one.
1: You had me at Lauren Graham because I am like a Gilmore Girls Uh, fanatic. So anything she's on, I will watch.
0: And she sings too.
1: Does she? I mean, in this show,
0: she's not great. She's done one Broadway musical. She played uh, Miss Adelaide in a Broadway revival of of, um, Guys and Dolls, which co-starred Oliver Platt. Um, um, Craig Bierko and Titus Burgess from Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Um, was in it as well. Um, It was not very good and closed very quickly, but that's her only Broadway musical. Maybe her only Broadway show, actually, now that I say that. But All right, that is all that we have for you today. Thank you for listening to this episode of Land Grant Holy Land Stick to Sports podcast. If you're finding this episode on our website, don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your daily dose of podcasting goodness. And if you like our particular brand of weirdness, head over to Apple or wherever you get your podcast and leave us a five-star rating only. Do not give us anything below five stars, or Tia will find you and hunt you down, and make you the next episode of My Favorite Murder. Yep. Um, anyway, you can follow Land Grant Holy Land on Twitter <laughs> at Land Grant Thirty Three, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWW Matt. Tia, take it away.
1: Okay. So I am at at Tia Johnston underscore on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, my dogs are at, at Buddy and Bella underscore, and then I have a store instagram but like i got hacked and then instagram deactivated my account so i'm in the process what i know so i'm in the process of getting my account back which is a whole thing well so i'll I'll hold off on that
0: well i will tell you i will tell you if you hadn't changed the name it wouldn't have been
1: this is probably true because it was such an obscure name i know dang it always go with the underscores always
0: go with the underscores all right, everybody, thank you to the one and a half of you that are still listening. We will talk to you soon, and as always, go Bucks.